0: Hi, right, and welcome to a very special Showcase podcast interview. Uh, we're joined by Heidi Renton from the BBFC. Hello. Hello. Um, thank you for coming down. Um, you're down to do a talk for us this evening, and we uh, doing a podcast for people who can't make it as well. Um, Claire's here as well. Hi. Get in on it. Um, okay, to begin with, can you just tell us a little bit about the BBFC? What cool. is the BBFC do? A little bit of the history.
1: Okay. Um, we've been around since 1912. We were set up um, by the film industry, actually. Um, Local councils used to uh, classify film for their regions, and that led to quite a few discrepancies in uh, decisions. Um, So the film industry thought it would be good to have a consistent decision-making body set up, so we were incorporated. Um, We're a non-profit-making organisation, and um, we basically decide age ratings for film in cinemas and DVDs, Blu-rays uh, for retail and we have a voluntary service for online only work, streaming downloading that kind of thing right.
0: And then um, how's the role sort of changed since there was a period of controversy, of censorship sort of thing, how's it changed since then? Is it?
1: Yeah um, these days we work very much in cooperation with the public I think it's probably best to say um, since late 1990s, early 200s we've actually published a set of guidelines, which um, we didn't used to have, which is produced in consultation, huge public consultation um, exercise, um, everything from you know focus groups, one-to-one interviews, and of course nowadays online surveys, um, gathering views from anything up to 10,000, 11,000 people, and then distilling that and overlaying it with um, decisions from people who specialise in different areas to do with things like child development, child psychology, um, or who look at specific areas research into things like how people consume pornography, that type of thing. Um, And then from that, we distill the guidelines, and then we work to that, really. So we're working very much in step with the public. So that's probably the biggest change. Um, The other significant change was uh, we changed our name (laughs) from the British Board of Film Censors, which we were until the... um, mid-1980s to the British of Film Classifiers and that very much denotes the kind of changing focus from looking to see what shouldn't be shown yes. to looking at where to place within a developed classification system a particular film so more for guidance than telling people what's good or not good for them to see um, so I think that's probably the two of the biggest changes.
0: Yeah, I recently did one of the surveys on the website. Oh, well, good. There was one not long ago, so Excellent. I posted yes. it on our page as well for other people that
1: do. And that's brilliant because, um, you know, with people being so much more, um, you know, au fait with, with using the internet, um, it's, much, um, it's much easier for us to get a wider spread of views and make the guidelines that much more reflective of a wider population. Um, so, yeah, what you contributed to will come out towards the end of this year, as the 2013 guidelines, which will take over from 2009, we do it about every four years, and then we'll work with those for the next three or four years. And there shouldn't be significant changes, you just sort of see slight trends in difference of opinion, perhaps between the categories, last time for instance, the last guidelines people were more relaxed about say depicting soft drug use at 12A obviously not endorsing it but you could actually show it and show it as part of a lifestyle that some people had rather than um, keeping it exclusively to 15 and above um, people became more sensitive and, and told us very vocally about the issues of discrimination in all its forms not just racism which is obviously something that's been um, people have been aware of for years um, but you know Discrimination against disability and gender, etc. Yes. So that was something that we took and sort of beefed up into a separate section of its own to encompass all of those types of discrimination. That people are quite becoming quite concerned about in the more junior categories, particularly. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see where public attitudes relax and perhaps where they've hardened <laughs> in some of the different areas. And of course, we'll try and incorporate those changes as well.
0: Because was there a change with smoking in film? Was that something through the BBSC? There was something a while ago about. Smoking in
1: films? It's an ongoing topic, really. Um, I was going to say hot potato. It's not quite <laughs> not quite the right uh, analogy. Um, it's something that is, uh, we're constantly being um, talked to about by the pressure groups who are concerned with um, how smoking is portrayed in films. And they've also talked to quite a few local authorities. It's something I'll be covering in my talk, actually. Um, because at its most uh, extreme, there's an argument from pressure groups, anti-smoking groups saying that they would like all films that show smoking to be at eighteen. Which obviously we work in a more nuanced way in that we take into account context. Obviously that context is king for us. Yes. So you know who's doing the smoking? Is the film even aimed at children? Yeah. Um, you know, is there an element of glamorization I mean a lot of films that I classify these days, there's always a moral tale built into any sort of, you know, alcohol consumption, drugs consumption Pretty much up until 18, there's, um, it, it's not glamorized or glorified in the way that perhaps some people might think it is. Yeah. Um, there's nearly always there's a film with Robert uh, Pattinson, Remember Me, which I think is a 12A film. And he, you know, he's quite a glamorous figure, he appeals to a lot of young women, for instance, and he smokes constantly throughout the film. He is meant to be 21 in it. But then he's got a little sister in it who's 11 or 12. And throughout the film, she's on at him. You promised you'd stop smoking. You know how bad it is for you. So the film provides its own kind of voice of conscience or counterbalance. So it doesn't tend to be particularly an issue for us these days.
0: It's a bit like the Life on Mars thing. Yes, exactly. jean could say the things he said. You've had exactly. Johnson there John tell him it was wrong.
1: Absolutely. In fact, if we get round to it this evening, we've got a clip of a homophobic rant and Alex firmly putting them in their place with, with modern standards, yeah. basically. I mean, you know, works that we get through that it is arguably glamorised in, you know, the sort of lovely 1940s movies where women all had long cigarette holders and wafted around smoking, looking cool. Um, They're from a different era and children aren't going to connect with them in quite the same way. Um, And people didn't know they were of their time. People didn't know the dangers like they do now.
0: No, that's it. So um, the new guidelines wouldn't affect, say, like Casablanca or something like that, where there's smoking in it?
1: we ask ourselves, particularly when it's smoking in films, is this film aimed at or going to appeal to children? Um, and if it's not, then you know, obviously we would treat it in that context. And if it is, is it the sort of hero figure that's doing the smoking, or, you know, the heroine figure, the one you're meant to empathise with, or is it the baddie? You often find lots of baddies in films smoke. So again, you've got a kind of... Somebody asked me from an audience once, um, was it OK as long as you demonised people who smoked? Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's one way of looking at it. Um, but obviously we're not comfortable with films that condone smoking by a underage character in a film named Underage People. That's got modern appeal to modern youngsters, so we we, look, we always look at the context.
0: Yeah, I mean, you notice things like James Bond doesn't smoke anymore. Exactly. I don't think he did much when he was Roger Moore, but certainly Timothy Dalton.
1: Mm. I mean, you won't it's find...
0: Change, which is in, fitting with the character in the book, but... yeah. And there's the argument that Bond's not necessarily a child's character, but...
1: No, but he's got hero appeal but he's got in hero many, appeal, so. many ways, yeah. And that's the kind of thing that we look for, exactly. But, as I said, most films, especially American films, tend to be quite sort of self-regulating in that way. Um, that said, it is something we are looking at in the guidelines, and we're also looking at um, consumption of alcohol within films by young characters, teenage characters, in party situations, just to look at what messages are being received by people who watch those and whether parents think that they might be dangerous or not.
0: With the film industry, because there seems to be a trend at the moment with, like, Taken 2 and the most recent Die Hard film, where they go for a 12 A to in the cinema and then release harder on, to use their turn on the top of the box, mm. the harder cut. And mm. um, it comes out, um, how much involvement do the film industry... Do they send it to you and then it's suggested the cuts to make to get that certificate? Or do they send you a cut-down version?
1: Both, really. Um, Often those films will come out America first, often they're they're American films, Um, and they'll be aiming at the PG-13 market, which is their, I suppose, they see it as the equivalent to r 12A. So if something, they've either had to change a film there to get a PG-13 from an R, rated R, or whether it was just fine for their MPAA at at, at PG-13, then either they'll send us that version... Um, and there have been occasions where they're actually working with both sets of classifiers on different sides of the ocean simultaneously. Yeah. Not so much for that category, but I know that happened with um, Bruno, for instance, where he, they were talking, the filmmakers were talking simultaneously to us in PAA about the changes. So we ended up pretty much with the same version of the film. Um, however, quite a few uh, films that we do get over you know, 12A is the most commercial category in lots of distributors' eyes, so they're often keen to get that. Um, and then we will obviously measure it against our what our public think is acceptable at that category regardless of what the American public thinks Um, and there are differences in public attitude and appetite for things like sustained levels of threat and terrorization at PG-13 that are arguably higher in the American market so if we see areas that we think would make that film a 15 then we will obviously cooperate with with the filmmaker and we'll We'll either give them, this scene needs to reduce the violence in this kind of way, or we might give them very specific cuts, and occasionally it will take two or three passes, if you like. If a a scene is quite difficult, we'd prefer them to make the creative decisions and to achieve the kind of lowering of the impression of violence in the way that they choose. And then when it gets sort of right down to the wire, we might ask for specific shots to be excluded or things like that. But they, of course, retain the overall creative authority for it. And usually that's sufficient and we can get a version that we're satisfied won't confound the public's expectations at 12A and they get a product that they feel isn't too far away from what they wanted. And then when it comes out on DVD, they can, of course, elect to put that material back in, give the consumer something different, a different version. But, you know, occasionally one does wonder if it's to the detriment of the film to shoehorn it into a a lower category when perhaps the tenor of the film might bespoke you know, a slightly more adult tone yeah. and adult sensibility.
0: Well, certainly a die-hard and a take around adults, generally, but, I mean, it's it's money-driven at the end of the day. It's, yes. Which kind of shows the shift in filmmaking from creative to... Yes. ...financial.
1: Yes, and, and, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, you get auteurs who, basically, the film is their creation, and then they will argue the toss about the category they get, but they don't want to change anything, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, a different... Um, thing again, but as you say, studios are big business often these days and they often have in their business plan right at the start the category in each of the markets that they're going to release in that they need to achieve to do that. I mean, it's not always possible Um, some films we've had that have got a PG-13 in the States it's just been almost impossible to advise where to cut it because the tone is so sustained, we call it a stick of rock so wherever you look at it in the film you've got that same kind of heightened levels of threat or tension or suspense, that it's not just a case of you know taking out you know that, that stabbing or that gory leg wound or those uses of strong language and you've lowered the category. You would have to create almost a different film. So a couple of films we've just had to put at 15 um, because they just don't fit within our 12A guidelines. So films like um, I Am Legend is a yeah. good example of that, um, Cloverfield again. PG-13 in the states, um, we get 15 to here, and I think more recently um, they do check this. Our house at the end of the street, the new Jennifer yeah. Lawrence film, again was in that category. Um, so sometimes there is quite a divergence between what the Americans will accept at that kind of adolescent category and what the public here will
0: accept. Because I think, license, going back to James Bond again, um, License to Kill fell into that. I've read about it recently in a Bond magazine, and it's in the BBFC book that Licence to Kill sort of fell into that thing, that they were just, there were certain cuts that couldn't get it down to.
1: Was that the one that there was a recent re-release of?
0: I think... Golden Eye Casino Royale came back out on DVD at 15 recently. Yes. Um, Licence okay. to Kill was 89, just as the 12 certificate was coming in, because I think it came in for Batman. I might be wrong.
1: It is. I, that was yeah. the first 12, I think. Yeah,
0: and I think Spider-Man was the first 12, I think. Comic books we changed. had a podcast recently
1: that focused on a lot yes, of Bond films, yeah. as you know. And I know that there was mentioning that, that there was one scene, but I can't forgive me. I can't remember the film where I think Bond strangles a woman with her bikini top oh, or yes, something like that. Oh yes,
0: that was like um, *Die Forever. That's they re right. it and gave it a 12 instead of right,
1: the PG. Than the PG. And,
0: and, when I read that, because I've seen my grandparents show me that, and that was one of the ones I watched, and I couldn't think of what it would be. Mm. And then once I, they said that it was because he was strangling the girl with the bikini yeah, top.
1: Yeah. It's it's funny because you do get anomalies from periods where we don't have the, sort of the full set that we've yeah. got now, um, and films do. A lot of the public will often sort of question us about you know why is that film still got an of 18 or you know why is that film a PG when surely that should be a 12 or a 12A? And it's because of it's not come in for reclassification. We don't go out looking for films to no. reclassify. Um, it's if a distributor puts it in. So occasionally there are films out there that have what seem to be a slightly anachronistic. Classification. Uh, Jaws got reclassified recently after 12A for a cinematic release, which was PG for years on um, on DVD or, yeah. or, or video, as it were. Um,
0: which, as I've got older, I, I've become numb to it as a child. It terrified me. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> yeah, just the music now so. enough, to, to scare a lot of people. So uh, people often assume that, that films always go down for classification. And it's true, a lot of them. Do go down often because the horror effects look so amateurish compared yeah. to the sophistication that you can get now. But films do go up as well, um, usually to do with changing standards. So things to do with you know, casual racism, yeah. or you know, homophobia, depictions of, of, of gay people as being you know horrendously camp and stereotyped. Those kinds of things we might now put upwards from perhaps say a U yeah. um, to a PG or even even a, a 12. Uh, going back to what we were saying about um, the public not having an appetite for Casual discrimination, really, in in films aimed at younger people.
0: Yeah, um, I lost my trailer. <laughs> it's okay, you've got your pad. I have got my pad. <laughs> but um, how sort of often do films get banned now? I know recently there was the thing with Human Centipede two, but you don't really read about because it. it tends to be if a film's going to get banned, the studio release it to the press so that, mm. to cause public outcry. But it doesn't really seem. to be- can't remember there was an issue with Serbian film or not. I know it eventually got released. But.
1: Yeah. Well, um, the way that we've operated, um, again going back to your very first question about how have we changed um, towards the end of the nineteen nineties, as well as bringing in the guidelines, there was a beefing up of the Human Rights Act in terms of um, people's freedom to choose their entertainment, their entertainment adults, and of course the filmmakers to create their vision of the world, express it through film, and have other people comment on it. Um, And they're both, you know, rights that we strongly support. We have um, filmmakers, you know, who work as part of the examining body as well at the BFC. We're all absolutely crazy about film in terms of how much we love and respect it. So nobody is pushing to stop people's access to films. In fact, we'll try pretty much everything that we can to um, allow a work to pass um, untouched by us. And at the adult category, really now... um, Pretty much anything goes um, unless it actually breaks the law. Yes. So obviously there are things like Protection of Children Act, obscenity laws, uh, cruelty to animals um, that we have to adhere to. Obviously you can't show material that, that actually breaks the law. And then only really would we stop somebody over 18 seeing something in a film if we felt there was a, a sort of genuine case for potential harm. Yeah. through through viewing the film. And generally, in the last, well, since the end of the 1990s, those cuts, if there have been cuts made to films at at 18, are to do with depictions of sexual violence without going into too many whys and wherefores. um, You can read it in the guidelines, which you can download from our website. There's a whole section on what is and isn't deemed acceptable at the adult category. Um, It would be, obviously, scenes within films or films themselves that don't, obviously... You know, glamorise or titillate through the use of you know, casual use of sexual violence if it's got a sort of justifiable place within the narrative and it's, um, it's handled in such a way that we feel it's kind of a responsible depiction of, of, of sexual violence that a normal healthy response would be you know, shock and disgust to yeah. then that's one thing, like Irreversible a film that um, has got one of the longest rape scenes ever in it, yeah. un- uncast and unedited uh, which we've got a case study on their website which I've just written Um, not a frame of that was taken out because of how it sits within the movie. Um, It's incredibly hard to watch. I had to watch it as part of my training. It's
0: one of those films that (laughs) you watch it and it opens with the opening scene like it can't get any worse than this. And it 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 does. does.
1: (laughs) But it's a brilliant movie. It is, yeah. I I had planned to watch it again to write the case study, but it was in fact still burnt into my memory (laughs) and only had to read the reports to do it. And so that's, I suppose, where we wouldn't intervene because even though it's... You know, incredibly strong. A lot of people would find that offensive. We don't classify at the adult category because somebody might be offended by something. Because otherwise, you know, people could be offended by so many things. Um, So what we look at is obviously, you know, is is it trivialising the issue or is it trying to, you know, sex it up in a way that is 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 trying to normalise non consensual sex for an audience? Basically, that's where we would intervene. Um, But it's remarkably minor. I mean. We didn't, last year was the first year in 100-year history, we didn't um, reject any films at all. But the previous year was one, it was The Bunny Games, an American film. Oh, yeah. and there was um, a lot of um, consideration given to Human Centipede 2, and in fact we did reject it at one point, so technically it was rejected. Um, and it was going to go to appeal, and at the last minute distributors re-took um, it back, re-edited it, tried to address our concerns with that. And basically after some back and forth we came, they came back with a version that I think it was 32 separate cuts uh, rendered it acceptable for 18. Um, Serbian film, 2010 I think it was. Again, we've got a case study for that. Um, holds the record for the most cut film of recent years. Um, probably rightly so um, in terms it's, of the it's strength not a film of material I've watched. in it. I know
0: what's in it and I've got no desire to watch it.
1: It had 49 separate cuts which took out just under four minutes of film which is a lot yeah. It is a lot, but it's that kind of film where a lot of people who watched it would probably, would be surprised to we even passed it. Yeah. Because we do pass now. I mean, there's a lot of hard-edged stuff at the adult category. I mean, there's never been a better time for either film fans or filmmakers in terms of what the BBFC will pass yeah. in our history, um, in terms of applying censorship very lightly. If at all ever, yeah. um, and it's a big deal for us when we reject a film, we're, we're conscious of the the sort of commercial disaster that might represent for the distributor. And you know, we'll issue a press release. It goes up to our highest tiers of decision making with our director and three presidents, and they will you know detail their decision for the press. For, you know, to be completely transparent, we report it in our annual reports. You know, it is something that we we take very seriously.
0: As an examiner, do you have an idea of what you're going to sit down to watch, or
1: the day before, only.
0: <laughs> but if you were doing a Serbian, if it was your job to classify a Serbian film, mm-hmm. do you know what you're going to be watching when you sit down to watch it? Would you just have a title and a brief description? or
1: um, The way that it works is when uh, we, we know the afternoon before the next day that what we're going to be examining and we basically get given about six hours of you know, material to watch and it could be anything from episodes of, I don't know, Um, CBBs up to a Serbian film or even R18, Restricted 18 works as well. Um, Often we'll know about a film ahead of time just because of its reputation and certainly Serbian film was one of those. It had been mooted at various film festivals although it hadn't actually been passed anywhere in the world at the point that we saw it. Um, Often films are released in America before they come here so I did Django Unchained earlier this year. It had already been given, I think it was a rated R in the States. I obviously know Tarantino and yeah. what kind of work he does, so you already start to form a picture in your mind of what's coming. But we do get a lot of films, that, um, especially from foreign markets, that we know nothing about. We just get a title. Um, sometimes it's not even on internet movie database, or it's under a different name, yeah. or it's there, but it's literally got the date it was released and who the three stars are, none of which you've ever heard of. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it varies completely. Um, sometimes you're really pleasantly surprised you see an absolute gem that you just would never have normally seen Yeah. Um, and other times it's it's something and it's you've, you've known and it's coming for a year or whatever I mean all the stuff coming out of Cannes obviously all those names will yeah. be recognisable when they get a distribution here some of which we're, we're looking forward to quite eagerly so yeah it varies it really does
0: so you couldn't in the themes on the films so like for example I have strong issues against violence against children but not issues I wouldn't Say people should watch the film, but it just wouldn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to watch it. And stay with me for a long time. do mm-hmm. Personal sort of inflections towards a film come into it. Can you say I'd rather not watch that film? Can I have Dino Rises instead, or um, for example? <laughs> I mean,
1: part of the role is that we accept to do to watch anything. Yeah, um, it's quite a rigorous um, interview and selection process where we do, in fact, part of the of it is that you. Um, you spend a day watching a variety of material, from the you know innocuous to the you know to the rejected, and then writing reports on it. So you're aware of the kinds of areas that you're going to have to touch, and you have to be fairly um, strong stomached. You have to be fairly objective and sort of put your personal views to one side in many ways. Um, obviously, we watch it with a slight objectivity because we're making notes throughout it, yeah. um, and we're. I suppose analysing it as we go in terms of has that just moved that upper category and so to a degree you can be distanced from it of course afterwards when you're lying home in bed trying to get to sleep sometimes things can play on your mind Um, we're not generally encouraged to not watch something at all but if we're feeling disturbed by something during the course of watching it for whatever reason and it might not be just because it's gory or horrific it might be because you're feeling ill that day or you've had an elderly relative die and it's a family drama in which somebody has a terminal illness you might just feel quite upset about that or a pet dies. It sounds ridiculous, but your personal circumstances may affect it. So you're allowed to what's called abandon a viewing. Obviously, you try not to do that too much else you wouldn't really be be doing your job. Um, It's happened to me once, maybe, something that I saw. Um, You have to... You have to steal yourself and you... You know we try and um, consume it to uh, consume it, enjoy it in a way that I, we would if we'd chosen to do yes. it you know at home, but obviously um, you, you can't do it exactly like that, so maybe we're slightly less affected from yeah. it in that way, but of course, we're always trying to think about what the the person watching it at, you know in the cinema or on DVD will actually think. so we try it's a bit of a balancing act sometimes you do see things that upset you and affect you. Um, but I suppose a lot of jobs have that. My husband's a paramedic, and yeah. he'll come back with things that he probably wished he hadn't seen or got involved in. It's just kind of... It's balanced out by yeah seeing really great things as well.
0: And with the BBFC, unlock guides online as well as to what a film contains. Absolutely. And on IMDB as well, but yeah. it makes it a lot easier for people that care about what they're going to be watching.
1: Yes, I think since we introduced the... Um, the customer insights, so the sort of longer description of the issues that the the, um, the little summary um, has next to the age rating. We've had really good feedback about that, and it's helpful. It's helpful for um, people assume it's just kind of parents, you know, yeah. that they want to know about things that might upset their particular child. Because of course, you can. You have to be quite general across all the age categories, but particularly with children, you never quite know what's going to really upset your particular child. You know, We wouldn't, but you would. So it's, it's useful in that respect. But for older people as well, you know, not everybody wants some of the images in their head that we pass at, yeah. at 18, say, even at 15 sometimes. So just detailing a little bit more about things to do with the theme and the tone of a film can be very helpful for people making choices, you know, even when they're old like us <laughs> kind <Yeah>. of thing.
0: <laughs> I mean with my son he gets very upset if babies are in danger. He watched Ice Age, it was the first time I realised it and because the baby thought something bad was gonna happen to the baby in yeah. Ice Age. Yeah. He got upset so he had to turn it off. So I've always got that in mind yes. when I'm picking films for him to watch now. Yeah. And like I say, the apps are godsend for that sort of thing as oh, well. Good. For him <laughs> and for me. Yes. So.
1: you've always got it to hand when you're in the, you know, cinema or whatever, you can choose between two different films on the basis of it, yeah.
0: But yeah. And it's spoiler free as well, the BBFC one.
1: Oh thank you, so, you're, you're which, selling us beautifully. Which is good. <laughs> we try so. not to, because we we're film fans too, and we you know we try not to give away the end. It's difficult when sometimes the main issue is tied up with a denouement of a film, trying to sort of skirt around the issue. But you know, if, if for instance, say it features a suicide, which is, yes. you know, you know, obviously a very um, sensitive area, um, or, you know, in that sort of particular uh, for that issue we get um, regular briefings from the Samaritans about how suicides are depicted within films yes. and the sort of things to look out for in terms of um, what might affect a particularly vulnerable viewer so we'll always try and mention it if there are suicide references or even a suicide scene and that can be quite tricky without you know sometimes giving away a plot
0: yeah so, I imagine whether it's glamorizing as well though of course all
1: of those all of those issues a lot of which I'll be covering in my talk <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I guess so for anybody that sort of is interested in becoming a BBC I don't know what sort of do you need qualifications do you need to work in the film industry how does it work now I know at one point you sort of worked up through in the olden days you sort of worked up through I've lost my word now <laughs> the
1: hierarchy the hierarchy <laughs> that's it thank you um it's true, uh, a couple of people who are quite senior now joined um, sort of more admin related departments. Um, it's open to uh, any member of the public to apply when it's advertised, which I think is good. I've got my role. Um, there are other countries around the world where people who age-rate films are invited to join yeah. the relevant board. So the fact that this is open interview, I think, is, is the way it should be. Um, My colleagues and I have all got quite different backgrounds, actually, and quite uh, different um, career experiences beforehand. Um, The only things that we ask for uh, are that people have have worked somewhere at least five years beforehand. So we don't kind of take people who are very young straight out of college or out of academia because some life experience is obviously an asset. Um, But I mean, my background's in marketing, um, I do copywriting, and I work with people who've had such varied careers as. Journalist, teaching, um, a lawyer, there's a lawyer, uh, somebody used to run a cinema, um, one of my colleagues used to be a games developer. So really, an ability to express yourself, um, both obviously in writing and, and verbally, yeah. uh, to justify the decision that you're going for is, is important. Um, uh, but really, that's about it, really. Obviously, a deep knowledge and love and interest in film and, and media of all type, really. Yeah. Um, is is very useful, uh, but sadly there are very very few examining jobs. Yeah. Um, and the people that do them are, uh, enjoy them, <laughs> and so vacancies don't come up as much as obviously a lot of people would, would no, probably yeah, like to see. It's kind of a
0: job that wants <laughs>
1: you in, Yeah, it's it's One hard day. to think of what else. So. Yeah, you might want to do from there. So yeah, that's true. But yeah, we we've, we've got all ages, different um, family uh, kind of setups. You know, people with children, without children. Some people have religious views, others don't, so it's a real mixture of people.
0: It's A good way to get the voice.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: The demographics. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely.
0: But, um, as an examiner, you're obviously a film fan. What was the last good film you, or last film you saw that you really liked or hated, <laughs> professionally or personally?
1: <laughs> um, Probably best to stick to the ones I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be like. Manistee, <laughs> <might be. laughs> well, I saw I saw a little um I a little I saw a DVD the other day. Um, the way that it works is we classify films for cinema release we we we'll watch in a cinema that we've got under our building, yeah. a small cinema, we watch it as a team of two. And then a D V D or Blu ray work that's going to be released for, you know. Being at home, we watch in our office on our own, on a screen, um, we're allowed to take some works at home, if the distributor agree as well, and I took one work home the other day uh, called The Land of Hope I think, it's a Japanese film um, and it was wonderful, uh, I hadn't expected it to be, it was subtitled and it was about a fictional nuclear disaster, but obviously meant to be paralleling Fukushima yeah and about the devastation that it wrought in a very sort of quiet, understated way on um, a, um, a family of farmers living nearby. And it, it doesn't sound like an exciting premise for a film, but it stayed with me for days. It was very, very moving, very subtle and understated. Um, so yeah, that was probably a good film that I classified recently.
0: And what's your favourite film of all time? Ah,
1: oh, <laughs> it changes. It changes all it, time. It's a question I hate, but. <laughs> Um, well that is a difficult one
0: or a couple you don't have to pick one I, I really
1: <laughs> enjoyed both Drive and Shame last year, kind of mainstream films I I've thought.
0: still not seen Shame, I've seen Drive
1: yeah, I thought those were really good I really like Beyond the Pines uh, place beyond the pines recently you may notice a bit of a theme developing <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean older films it's difficult to say I really, um, I named my daughter after the film Diva Famous French film, yes. which I uh, uh, have loved since the 1980s when it came out. Um, but it's difficult. Asking for a top 10, you know, would take me days to come up with, basically. So those ones that have floated through my consciousness recently.
0: Yeah, I was supposed to do a list for Claire of films she should watch, because she's a film student and they don't show you any good films at film what university, apparently. Recommend? So I'd still do in the list. <laughs> give me I'd two, give me years. two. <laughs> um, the Station Agent and oh, In the right. Mood for Love two at the top of the list
1: I've watched one of those
0: you watched one of those
1: <laughs> which one? in the mood for love okay. I, d- I watched it at uni actually did
0: you? yeah it's not one you had to borrow off me I no. Oh, no I told you to buy it didn't
1: I you did tell me to buy it and then I watched it <laughs> and then I did it for a uni project four or five years ago excellent they're, 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 I mean it, there are so many good films and just when I think I've found my favourite film another one comes along to replace it so I, I like French cinema a lot
0: yeah, I, I don't get to watch many subtitled films because with two small children I'm either too tired to watch it when they're asleep or it's not suitable to watch when they're awake. Yes.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> have um, you watched Run, Lola, Run? Yes, yes, I have. Yes, in fact, there's a poster of it in the ladies' toilets in our, <laughs> <laughs> in our building at BPFC, yes. <laughs> so I see the poster every day. <laughs> Did, Did you, you like it? Yes, yes, it's, it's fabulous. Yeah, it's one of my uh, favourite French films, and Amelie, but... I don't think I know anybody who's watched it and did disliked Emily anyway. It's a beautiful film. But... Shame to say I haven't seen it. I really should. I haven't <laughs> seen it either. You should do me a don't, don't you own it?
0: I do own it. I never watched it. It's, <laughs> I keep because I categorise my films. The French one I keep going back to is The Girl on the Bridge.
1: I've never seen it. I don't
0: know if you've seen it. It's no. It's a lovely film. I really like it, and uh, I keep getting stuck on that one. And um,
1: <laughs> sorry, you can go back to your... <laughs> I just thought i no. that.
0: No, that's fine. I think we're pretty much done. I mean, there's obviously the BBFC website where all the guidelines are. There's the book that came out recently. Yes. It's a fascinating read for anybody to know more. And there's the podcast as well.
1: Yes, yes. Which, which can be accessed through the site. Yeah. Yes.
0: which um, And what I really like on the site recently was the case studies. Oh, so you've good. been doing, like you said, you did the one for the one for Batman, because yeah. I'm a comic book fan as well Oh, excellent so, which, yeah. wasn't, which is why it stuck in my mind it We're, we're adding
1: to those all the time, especially some that, uh, we had a season of films of controversial films at the BFI to yeah. mark our centenary along with the book and so some case studies for the programme notes for that um, are gradually being fed on, um, things like um, No Orchids for Miss Blandish Shock Corridor if they're not on now, they'll be coming on very shortly yeah.
0: But no, so those are really interesting, especially if you're into film or film studies sort of thing. They're definitely worth reading.
1: If you sign up to Twitter to follow us on Twitter, then when we put new case studies on or new material on the website, we'll announce, we'll tweet about it so you know to go and look for what the new material is.
0: Yeah, I, I do follow on Twitter. you one of the few I check. Twitter at the moment seems to be shouting into a room full of people shouting. So <laughs> I have a couple of people that I generally keep checking to see what they posted recently in that. But, um, Excellent. Like I could say, the podcast are really as well, which like you say, they're available through the website. The one on imitable behaviour.
1: Oh yes, the most recent one, yeah. Really
0: interesting, which the rocket man thing with the
1: yeah,
0: yeah. kid in the washing machine, which they played the clip, but you couldn't see it, obviously. So it sounded like a, re-
1: yeah. <laughs> a
0: really sweet opening to a film until yeah. you realise that it's a kid sitting in a washing machine.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> which no. I think they said the issue with that was that he wasn't, his parents didn't. Tell him more about No, afterwards.
1: no, it's it's obviously quite a dangerous pursuit, as you as yeah, a father would know. Strange. To encourage, her. he plays a little astronaut going around in his washing machine, and um, it's implied that his mother can hear him call for help, which yeah. I doubt you would. Um, and also, she, yeah, she doesn't tell him how dangerous it could be, she just thinks it's cute. Yeah. So, yeah, that was something that wasn't suitable in a U film or posi- even a PG film. No. So, um, those are the kinds of things that we look out for in junior films. Where behaviour that kids might copy—that's not, you know, consequences aren't shown. Um, that's that's called a cut on harm grounds. Often,
0: it dates back to the back to the future thing. Of originally, it was going to be a, instead of a door, it was going to be a fridge. Oh yes. They, <laughs> they were worried that kids would start climbing in the fridges yeah. and shutting the door So they. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I've got for the group tonight. Um, I've got a clip of uh, a cartoon character making a flamethrower out of an aerosol and a lighter. Was in a, well, it would have been in a youth film, yeah. but a, a cut had to be made for that because you don't want your kids to be learning no, to not make flamethrowers <laughs> around your home. So.
0: No, definitely not. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, that's um, that's an interesting area as well, yeah.
0: That's great. Um, thank you for talking to us. And Pleasure. To you two, and we look forward to the talk in a little while. Yeah, me too. And, um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank, thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you.